The following is a sermon from the Edgington Evangelical Presbyterian Church in Taylor Ridge, Illinois. It's time now to open the scriptures together. I'd like to invite you to open up with me to the book of Psalms and to Psalm 121. Psalm 121. You can find that on your ESV Bible, perhaps, if you have a Bible that's similar to mine. It's on page 516, but whatever Bible you have, let's open up to the book of Psalms together. And I said last week, and I'd also like to remind you uh, that if, if you don't already have, but you would be interested in it, the ESV Bible published by Crossway has a very good app for you to use on your tablet or on your phone, both available on Apple and Android platforms, the ESV Bible app by Crossway. It's a really, really great tool, uh, but it should never replace your physical Bible. So whatever you have in front of you, whether you have a Bible or whether you have the app, whatever, let's open together to Psalm 121. And during this season where we are worshiping digitally in our homes during this quarantine season, We've been uh, using this time to look to the Psalms of Ascent. Last week we looked at Psalm 120. The Psalms of Ascent are a group of 15 Psalms in the Psalter that are gathered together with a particular theme of going to Jerusalem for worship. And travelers would use these Psalms as they were on the way up, ascending to Jerusalem, which is on an elevated uh, mountain. And they would use these Psalms to prepare their hearts to go and worship. And Psalm 121 is probably the most well-known of the Psalms of Ascent. Uh, Even as we read these words together, they might sound familiar to you. But if they are not presently familiar, I I really sincerely hope that they will become uh, very dear to your heart and you will hold them close, especially in these days. But just briefly looking over in overview, Psalm 121 is sometimes called the Traveler's Psalm, Uh, again, for those who are on their way somewhere. But the primary theme of Psalm 121 is protection, protection from God for his people as they travel on the way. And uh, the pilgrims here who were on their way to Jerusalem were on their way to worship. But you and I are on our ways in, in various ways going to different places. But as Christian believers, we are all on our way uh, through this life toward that great celestial city, toward that great place in heaven, that new heavens and new earth which God promises And so we are on our way to maybe a little bit different place than the psalmist was here in Psalm 121, but the the sentiments are the same because protection, again, is the theme. And I want you to see that there's a word that gets repeated over and over and over again. It's actually this Hebrew word, which is shamar. And that one word, shamar, occurs six different times here in Psalm 121, but it gets translated a bit differently. It gets translated as watches over, preserves, or keeps. Watches over, preserves, or keeps. But each one of those three English terms is actually the same Hebrew verb, and you'll see it twice uh, in verses 2 through 4. You'll see that the, the God who keeps, who keeps, your keeper uh, in verse 5, also three times in verses 7 through 8, both as 
keep your life and watch over. You see this repeated terminology six different times. So that's the theme of blessing and keeping and preserving and watching over. That's the primary theme. And so we want to see this morning how the truth of God's word from Psalm 121 uh, confirms the hope that we have in God to keep us. So let's pray together and then we will read God's word. Let's pray. Father, we come to you because you are our God, because you are our maker, but also because you are our redeemer. Lord, you reveal yourself in creation, but you also reveal yourself in the scriptures that we might know you and trust you. You reveal your son to us that we might have life in his name. And so now, Lord, we pray that we, coming to the scriptures, might find life in the name of Jesus might find hope and peace and comfort as we rest in you, the God of covenant grace. And so, Lord, illuminate our minds that we might understand your word today, seal it to our hearts, that we might not only understand, but that we would also trust and so rest upon your grace. And so come and speak to us now, Lord, we pray, for your servants are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. And now hear the word of God from Psalm 121. My help comes from the Lord. This is the word of God. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Amen. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God abides forever and ever. And so may he write his eternal truth upon our hearts today. As we said, these psalms of ascent are used by worshipers who are on their way to go and worship God. And the primary thing that is on the mind of the psalmist here in Psalm 121 is that as he is on the way during that pilgrimage, he finds that there is often trouble that is before him, trouble that's around him, uh, trouble that might seem underneath and above, overwhelming him from all directions. There's fear and there's trouble. He finds himself fearing and he finds himself facing the hostility of the unknown. He's asking the question, in verse 1, a question that we all ask, a question I'm sure that we've been asking even more so recently. The psalmist asks in verse 1, from where does my help come? From where does my help come? It's a question of security. It's a question of assurance. When everything else is stripped away and we're faced with our fears and we're faced with our troubles what is our hope what is our hope 
It might be a bit bold, but I think I can say with some degree of confidence that one of the things that the Lord might be doing during this season is he is removing the possibility of us to trust in the things that we have perhaps made idols in our lives. The things that we've looked to for our hope and for our security. The things that we've placed our trust in and he's been removing those things so that we are left with this reality that God alone is our hope. And so we can identify with the psalmist when he asks, from where does my help come? Truthfully, there are things in my life that I fear right now. There are things that I'm concerned about, things that I am anxious about. There are things that are pressing heavily upon my heart. I have burdens, and and so do you. You have trials. We have things that we're unsure of, and uh, those trials are not necessarily new. Some of those things are novel like a virus. Other of those things are things that were present in our life and have been present for, for weeks or months or perhaps years. Doctor's appointments that we still have to attend to, concerns in our families, all kinds of issues with those who we love. There are things that give us fear, things that cause alarm. And we, just like to the psalmist, we look to the hills and we ask the same question, where does my help come from? Who is going to help me in this hour of trial and in this hour of need? And that's the psalmist he's asking as he cries out for help, looking to the hills that fill his horizon, seeing the threat and the alarm, where does my help come from? And the rest of the psalm answers the question in verse 1. All of Psalm 121 answers the question that's posed in verse 1. What we find is it gives a general answer, first of all, in verse 2, a general answer to the question of verse 1, and then in verses 3 through 8, the, the answer to the question is expounded upon, fleshed out, and There's more said about this beautiful and magnificent answer to the question, from where does my help come from? So let's first of all see the general answer to the question. The question is in verse 1 and the general answer comes in verse 2. The answer is, verse 2, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. My help comes from The Lord. God is my help. The Lord is my helper. And if you look at your Bible closely, you'll notice that our English translations make use of Hebrew terms by distinguishing, especially the name Lord. If you'll notice in English in verse 2, Lord is in all capital letters because it's using the Hebrew word for the name of God, that is God's covenant name, that he gave to Israel to be a special name that they could call him and remember his promises. It's, no, it's all capitalized in English because it's the covenant name of God, Yahweh, Lord, the God of the covenant. The reason why this is important is because God told his people that this is the name that you can call me. There are other nations of the world, but you as my people 
are the ones who will call me by this name, this special name. Just like in your family, I'm sure that there are names of affections that are used amongst yourself that other people might not use and other people certainly wouldn't understand, perhaps, but in this intimate bond of your loving relationship, you know this special name and God does that exact same thing to Israel when he says, call me Yahweh, call me Lord. God first told Israel to call him that in Exodus chapter 3 when God was calling Moses to deliver the people of Israel out of Egypt and God gives Moses this beautiful promise when he says, I'm going to be with you, Moses, as you lead the people out of Egypt. And a few verses later on, Moses is speaking to the Lord and Moses asks the question, Lord, when I go to Pharaoh and when I do the things that you tell me to do, And when these things are going to happen that you say are going to happen and you're going to deliver us, who should I say you are? Who should I tell the people that you are? And God says by way of reply to Moses, tell them I am has sent you. God says to Moses, my name is I am Or that could also be translated as, I will be what I will be. And that seems a little bit confusing. How is God's name, I am? Or how is God's name, I will be? Uh, But the answer is that there's more to God's name than just I will be. Because the promise that God gives to Moses is, Moses, tell my people that I am and tell my people that I will be with you. That's what the name means. I will be with you wherever you go. And it is as if God is giving his people, Israel, and us, giving his people, the church, this shorthand of a name that includes this beautiful promise. God gave his people this name to evoke in their consciousness of his own people the very promise that is at the heart of the covenant, which is simply this, I will be with you. You are not alone. I am your God. That's what this name means. And how wonderful here in Psalm 121 that it's that same name that reassures the psalmist when he looks up to the hills and he sees the trouble and all of the strife and he asks the question, where is my help going to come from? And the answer is, my help comes from the one who is always with me, who never forsakes me, the God of covenant grace and faithfulness, the God of the covenant, the God of Yahweh, the God of Moses, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. That God is with me and he will never forsake me. The eternal triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the God who exists from everlasting to everlasting, who has no beginning and who has no end, the God who is in himself changeless and all-knowing and all-powerful, that God the psalmist is able to call upon. But notice, it's more than that too. Verse 2, my help comes from the Lord, the covenant God, but it is also the one who says, he goes on to say, the Lord who made heaven and earth in verse 2. 
that the God who is our Lord and our Redeemer and our covenant Savior is the one who also created all things. The God who is the divine source of all creation is our help. I think what actually tends to happen is that Christian believers tend to get sucked up into debates that people are constantly having about the relationship between what the Bible says and science and the doctrine of creation and how it relates to the observable universe. And people miss the very clear application of what the doctrine of creation is all about. The doctrine of creation is all about what the psalmist is calling upon, this reality that the God who exists in eternal triunity is the God who made everything that there is, who made it out of nothing. He didn't use pre-existing materials when he created. He simply spoke and all things come into being. The sovereign God who is the creator of all things is the God that the psalmist can turn to in his need and in his problems. And so what is it that calms our fears? What is it that encourages us along the way when we're faced with hostility and difficulty? It is, as Psalm 121 says, the fact that the sovereign God who made heaven and earth And who also revealed himself to you in Jesus Christ is the one who is your helper. He's the one who is your keeper. The one who made the earth and all of the planetary system. The one who made all of the universe and its macrocosm and microcosm. The universe and all of its unbounded complexity. The God who said, let there be light and there was light. That God is your God. That God is our God. He is the source of our help. He is the God who made all things, the God who helps us. And the Bible simply will not let you ignore this reality that that God is your God because he's the same God. The Bible wants us to draw comfort and peace from this truth that the creator of all things, he is the one who rules over all things. He rules over even those hills that you're looking at that cause you fear. There is nothing that is outside the scope of his fatherly hand of providence. And so what is it that you could possibly imagine that presents a problem to God? God has no rival. There is no strength to come against him. And so therefore, what issue is there in your life and in my life that is of such cause for concern that it cannot be put right and resolved by a sovereign creator who made everything that there is? The psalmist is saying, where can I find my help? Where do I find my help? I find it in the sovereign God. And you and I, through faith in Jesus Christ, are in communion with that God, the one who made everything that there is. And dear friends, if that doesn't bring a sense of peace to you, a sense of calm to your soul, then I would humbly say to you that your view of God is too small. The psalmist exalts God in all of his glory because a great God is the only God who can help us in our need. 
I lift my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. I hope you will seal that truth to your hearts today. And especially during this season, maybe even memorize it, repeat it to yourself, that you might sincerely believe it. But then also go on to see that what the psalmist is doing is he is taking that truth and applying it to himself. How is it that this great God of glory and God of creation is able to help a helpless people? Is able to strengthen a weak people? He gives these various pictures. We'll see them quickly. In verse 4, he gives this picture of God as a vigilant watchman. He will not let your foot be moved, verse 3 says. But then verse 4 3 and 4, he who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. You've had sleepless nights, I'm sure. So have I. Things that have kept us up and tossing and turning. But even for sleepless nights, no one can say that they never sleep. No one can say that they are always alert and always watching. In fact, every time I'm reminded of this psalm, I'm reminded of this uh, Guinness World Record, that the world record for someone who stayed awake is still held by Randy Gardner, who was a high school student in 1964, stayed awake for 264 hours. That's 11 days and 25 minutes. The world record is 11 days of staying awake. Now, there's no way that I can do that, and I'm sure neither can you. But what the Bible is giving this picture of God as is a God who never sleeps. Meaning, unflinching attentiveness. One who never has his eye diverted. It's a description of his watchful providence. Jesus uses this picture from Luke chapter 12 when he says that the Father knows even the number of hairs upon our heads. And that is the doctrine of God's providence his fatherly care and it is of great comfort to us because God never slumbers nor sleeps and because God never slumbers nor sleeps that means that you can you and I are able to sleep at night because God never sleeps it's like a child like a child who can't sleep until their parent comes by their bedside and tucks them in or reads them a bedtime story and it gives that sense of assurance that I'm not alone and somebody's watching over me and cares for me. And our Heavenly Father is such a Father who comes beside us to say, I will never slumber nor sleep nor cease to watch over you. The psalmist says he will never slumber nor sleep, but he also says in verses 5 and 6 that the Lord is our keeper like a shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. It's the psalmist's way of picturing the the shelter of God, both from things that are seen, which is pictured through the daylight, and things that are unseen, the things at night. And so whether by day when you can see or by night when you cannot see, the Lord is still keeping you. The Lord is still watching. He is close as your right hand. And then he goes on to even apply it in ways of ever-increasing comfort to your life. Notice how he says in verse 3 that the Lord will not let your foot be moved. That is to say that God keeps watch over your steps. He keeps watch over your your day-to-day, as it were. 
your daily needs. He will not let your foot be moved. And then in verse 7 it says, He will keep you throughout your whole life. Verse 7. He will keep your life. And then on into verse 8 it says, He will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. And so do you see this increasing sense of both my day-to-day steps and my whole life and my eternal life is all under the watchful eye of God's keeping power and grace. Why does God do this? Why is God so faithful to keep and to watch over us? Because that's who he is. He said, that's who I am in my name as I tell you my name. I'm your keeper. I am the God who will always be with you, who will never leave or forsake you. This is our God who has sworn an oath by his own name that he will never deny himself. And because God will never deny himself, he will never forsake you, Christian believer. We hear about this from passages like Romans 8, 35 to 39, when Paul asks, what shall separate us from the love of Christ? And he answers, nothing. Nothing nor height nor depth nor all of creation will ever be able to separate us. And in Jude, the end of Jude, the benediction of Jude 24 to 25 says that God is the one who is able to keep us from stumbling. Psalm 121 is saying that God is our keeper, God is our protector, God is our help. So does that mean that you will never have trouble? Of course not. But it does mean that in all of your trouble, he is with you to keep you and preserve you. And he is so sovereign even over the trial that he is able to use the trial to strengthen and preserve your faith. God is our helper because we need help. God is our keeper because we need to be kept. And that's something that we need today. This word of assurance And the word that comes to us, that God is our keeper, also comes with us with a call to respond to that. And the call to you today is simply this, to trust, to rest, to have faith in this great eternal God who made all things and who is surely able to comfort you today. Adoniram Judson, the great 19th, A century missionary said this, that the future is as bright as the promises of God. The future is as bright as the promises of God. And that's what Psalm 121 is saying. That this is the God to whom we can entrust our future because he is already there. And he will keep you now and forevermore. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are the God of covenant grace and faithfulness who has so pledged himself to us through giving your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, for us. We praise you today for his obedient life, for his sinless death on our behalf. We praise you for his resurrection and his ascension to be Lord over all. And today we come in his name, claiming the promises of Psalm 121, that you are our keeper. And so, Lord, I pray today for every single one of us that we would know you as our keeper, 
that we would know you as our God and find our refuge in you. Lord, there are many people asking the question today, where does our help come from? I pray that you might strengthen the church of Jesus Christ to give a clear witness that our help comes in your name. And so we offer this in the name of Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's sermon. If you would like more information about our church or its ministries, please visit edgingtonepc.org. May God bless and keep you.